You're listening to a Trav Market Media Network podcast, a podcast designed for you, the travel professional. Is there something you would like to hear or do you have feedback? Please write to us at podcast at travmarketmedia.com. Again, that's podcast with an S at travmarketmedia.com. Hi, it's Megan, host of Travel Radio Podcast, a proud member of the Trav Market Media Podcast Network. Would you take a moment now to like, subscribe, and review the podcast? You can also reach me at info at travelradiopodcast.com, or you could reach the network at travmarketmedia.com. Travel professional or aspiring professional traveler, I'm so thankful you tuned in. Now, let's dig into where our ears will travel today. Hello and welcome to Travel Radio Podcast. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and today I am privileged to have a new guest on the podcast. Welcome, Zachary Burns, to Travel Radio Podcast. Hi, everyone. Hi, Megan. Yeah. Would you take a minute to introduce yourself and how you got into the travel industry? Absolutely. So as Megan said, my name is Zachary Burns. I normally just go by Zach. Pretty simple and easy. Um, and I'm actually the owner and founder of Royal Bee Travel, and I specialize in luxury travel in the UK. Um, so it's actually kind of funny because I started in the travel industry nine years ago. It's crazy to think I'm 28 now um, and turning 29. Oh, my goodness. And I actually fell into it. I was uh, in university and I was getting a degree in Chinese history and literature so I could become a history teacher uh, for high school students. And so I actually applied for the Disneyland Hotel um, yes. from a very uh, dear friend of mine. And they, I ended up getting the job. I started working as a front desk agent there. And so everything transpired. And um, for the last four years, I've actually been in reservations, um, have a massive background in luxury with, uh, with Marriott specifically with the JW and then the Ritz Carlton as the reservation supervisor and then transitioned after living in Scotland for four months. Um, came back and became a reservations department head, uh, for Mr. C in Miami Coconut Grove right before COVID happened. Oh. So yeah. So I just, I just naturally fell into it and it was kind of funny because luxury travel has been in my blood since 1924. So thank you, great grandma and great grandpa. (laughs) So did they take the Queen Mary too? Or the Queen Uh, Mary at that point? No, uh, they did not actually. So they started with the Fairmont, the flagship of, Mm -hmm. uh, in San Francisco Mm -hmm. in 1924 for their honeymoon. And, uh, they actually did do a canard line cruise. Um, back in the sixties to go back home uh, for my great grandfather to go back home, mm-hmm. um, in Scotland and visit family and things of that nature and, and do some genealogical work and Neat. the rest is kind of history from there. Yeah. I've seen some of your family photos and they are so classy. They're just, <laughs> you come from good stock. What can I say? Oh, I love those family photos and they're definitely, <laughs> they're, I mean, like they're cherished memories and, it's kind of one of those fights between family, like, so what's going to happen? Are you going to give them away? And I'm like, no, they're mine. You can have the digital copies here. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You can have them printed out, though. You could, like, in a, oh, yes. in a nice way. Yeah, you can find some old frames. It'd be good. Okay, well, sorry. Let's talk about um, how <laughs> people can follow along and find you online. So I'm easier to find on Instagram. Uh, my Instagram handle is at royal underscore B 
underscore travel. I do have a Facebook uh, account. Uh, it's just uh, facebook.com slash royalbtrav. And then if you just want to go directly to my website, it is www.royalbtravel.com. Mm, perfect. Yeah, and then I guess we should ask right off the bat. So we're gonna we're gonna be talking about a, a UK event that is just the pictures were blowing my mind. But <laughs> but which the goal of this is to help travel planners come up with great things for their clients, and then also um, we're, we're off the bat. I'll just ask: um, Are you accepting new clients for your UK travel business? Yes, I am. Okay, there you go. All right, and you know now you know where to contact him. Okay, and follow along. All right, now um, I need to be honest that we lived in the UK for the last three years. We visited Scotland several times and, you know, had a shorter version of the trip we planned to take because of COVID, uh, the last really long two-week trip we were supposed to, and that was disappointing. Um, that's just the way it worked. Mm-hmm. One more thing 2020 st- took from us, but um, I'm saying things poorly. What I'm trying to say is I have never heard of the thing we're about to talk about. And to paraphrase Jack Black's frequently used expression – this festival festival will literally melt your face off. So, Zach, what is Uphelia, and is that how you say it? Uh, yeah, so Uphelia is the correct way of saying it. Now, I don't have a Scottish accent, and I know I'm half Scottish, but sorry to disappoint to anyone that's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm originally from Los Angeles, but no. Um, so Uphelia, or Up Holy Day, is literally just a fire festival celebrating Viking heritage. Um, it's about a 200-year-old festival, um, which its roots is quite interesting of how it started, um, because it's not what we see today. Um, however, um, not everyone for the FLEA festival, which is quite interesting, is not dressed up as a Viking. So I do want to point that out there, because I think when I say Viking or Viking heritage, uh, people are going to be like, well, everyone dresses up as a Viking. No, that's <laughs> not the case whatsoever. Um, and another thing to add in is that it's not just in one place on the islands of Shetland. Um, it's actually 12 different communities throughout the Shetland Islands that do celebrate it. Mm. But the largest one that um, people in Scotland would recognize is the one located in Lorwick, which is the capital of the Shetland Islands. So have you actually been to one of these festivals? I have. I was seven years old, so it was 21 years ago. Oh, my goodness. It's time to go back. Well, I know you're going back, so yeah. it's time to put one of these on the books. You can maybe even participate in one of the, you know, maybe not the big one, but anyway, maybe. So it's really interesting because you can, uh, you know, within the 12 that they have, they do welcome outsiders to come and experience. Um, I'm actually already planning on booking my stay in Lurwick for 2022. So I'm trying to figure that all out right now just because it does get booked really quickly. Oh my gosh, you should do a group. I should. And I'm, I'm actually, I already have one that I will tell you later about. Okay, great. Sorry. <laughs> we'll get to that question. So I'll <laughs> go over that. Um, but one of my favorite things about the festival, you know, as a seven year old, you have to look at a, at, at it from the perspective of a child. Yeah. Um, when I was a kid to see, to be in the pitch black, cold, dark winter night <laughs> with your siblings and your dad and you're whining and groaning. And I was a spoiled brat. I'll be honest, everyone. I was a spoiled brat <laughs> as a kid. Uh, <laughs> and I would whine about anything and everything because I have middle child syndrome. And, uh, <laughs> does your so boyfriend I- recognize these traits in you? Actually, I've outgrown a lot of them because he's also a middle child. So it's oh. kind of funny. <laughs> You're good for each other. <laughs> yeah, we really are. And people kind of joke about it. But 
Um, it's, it's absolutely hilarious. I'm very much like my dad in the sense of like, no, stop complaining. Let's just get this done and over with. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I picked up a lot from my dad on that sense. But one of the things that is very spectacular as a little kid is to watch these um, torches light up. And then it begins a trail and you're just like, oh my gosh. And mm. it's just spectacular. And to hear them chanting, it's just, and then of course at the end is the burning of the Viking ship. Who doesn't like that? Yeah. And I don't think people quite can get the magnitude of this thing. Um, but <laughs> at what do you, well, I'll, I'll grab some, you know, free pictures online or whatever that I can find. Actually, uh, TRO has an imaging service. So maybe I'll get, grab some pictures from them. But, um, th- this is like, the largest s- circle of torch carrying flame things like uh, it's, and then they throw in their flaming paraffin soaked torches into this ship and light it on fire. And I just, the pictures are fantastic. They're amazing. I mean, it really creates daylight out of nighttime because there's so much fire. And like the mom in me is just like, Oh my gosh, how much hairspray or beard wax is catching on fire, you know, like, or like who overshoots the boat and launches it into the guy across the way. But um. (laughs) That's funny. You know, I I didn't think about that until you just said it. I was like, oh, that'd be interesting. Oh, I like that challenge. I want to challenge someone. (laughs) Man, I've been telling my daughter, because we have this fire pit now, like hair burns fast, darling, like tie it back because she has has this mane of blonde hair. I'm like, you're going to lose it real fast, babe. Like tie it back. But yeah, no hair so, spray in the hair. It makes it worse. Mm-hmm. So then, um, as a young person, you probably didn't see too many eyebrows or beards burst into flames. So we'll skip that question. <laughs> <laughs> Although, I did have a response for that, which is like, Noah was burned in the making of the festival. At least I don't think so, but <laughs> I did not see any, no. Yeah. That, well, hey, 2022. <laughs> it's a year for burn stashes. All right. So, um, accepted (laughs) (laughs) so as i alluded to um you know this festival culminates at what we specifically mentioned i'm just reading my questions and failing um see zach i told you we can be laid back we can fail on this show it's fine (laughs) (laughs) so we i I, we mentioned that it, it ends in the burning of this viking vessel but what happens leading up to the point in which they toss the torches in yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that um, first you have to understand that there is a morning procession um, of the Jarl, well, what they call um, the Jarl Geysers or the Jarl Squad, um, who are the ones that would dress up as the Vikings. And it's it's a morning thing. And I love it. It's really cool. Um, and then at night, uh, what they do is they turn everything off. And if you thought you were cold during the day, mm be prepared you will be colder at night mm-hmm. <laughs> so, with everything turned off the only thing you can really see is like the clock on the lurk um i guess county uh building essentially um i realize i'm butchering that but that's the only thing you can see and then all of a sudden you see lights they're lighting the torches it's not a lot um, because what they're going to do is, is then they're, they're going to take the guys, the squad members, and then they're going to lead them into the area where all the other squads are. Um, and when I say squads, there's about 50 squads of like 50 people or so. And it's about a thousand people who mm. participate in the 
this procession. So it is massive in mm. person, just massive. Um, and so then what they do is, is then once they're there, again, remember, it's pitch black. All of a sudden, you see fire going off. It just sparks. And it is now... Abelia has come to life, mm. um, flames on torches, and you see anyone and everyone in the procession uh, for Abelia, from the Vikings to people in costume. <laughs> and the crowd loves it. I mean, just, I, I mean, like I said, as a little kid, you see these things going off and you don't really expect what to go on, what's going on. But as an adult, it's just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe I am witnessing this. This is such an amazing experience. Um, and what's really cool is that they're singing the Up Elias song. And unfortunately, I don't know the lyrics. <laughs> you will. I will. I will get there. Because um, I need to know it before I get there. So that's that's another thing. <laughs> You'll but get there. As they go down this procession, uh, going down the middle of like the main street of Lurwick, you actually have the Jarl, um, who is one of the... Uh, he, he plays like a character from the Norse sagas and they, and they actually choose it. Um, and so I guess we can always get into that too, but, uh, they go down from there and then they go into like this beach area. Um, and then there's a wall that everyone has to stand behind. Uh, and then from there, uh, the line just literally does a circle before they actually throw the torches. So yeah. it's quite interesting. Yeah, and yeah, this is so Nord's mythology. They just pick their favorite character and then they dress to embody that. And their squad, like their you know their group of men that go with them, they also match the character. Right? This is part of this thing is the costuming. People can't wait. It's like a reveal. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that's really cool about the costuming is that um, what people don't know is behind the scenes, they are working on this for a year. Mm-hmm. So everything you see for the Viking costuming is all handmade. Everything, even the vessel, the Viking vessel itself, the boat, it is handmade, hand-painted. Um, they normally go with the dragon head. It's really such an interesting process. And what was really cool, I didn't know this until I did a little bit more research for my trip for myself, uh, was that there was only one female Jarl back in 2015. And then they actually have like little, um, like, um, the brownies, I think if that's what they're called, um, in Lyric where, uh, the girls actually have a Jarl and they've been celebrating that for 30 years. So it's really interesting. I didn't read on that part. I was reading that, you know, it's kind of hotly contested that there are women that would like to participate and they've gone to, register their squads and I mean just as a regular squad not even applied for the Jarl but they're just like there's been some intimidation and things like that and other other of the regional events have allowed women to participate but um, I can't say the name of the main one tell me again uh, the main one is Lurwick Lurwick okay I got it um, mm-hmm. that that they've pr- stood pretty strong and said this is the tradition and we're not budging on it um, so that's pretty contested. So uh, if you're a lady, you're not going to be participating in that. But what are the brownies? The brownies is just a, a little, I guess, a bunch of schoolgirls. It's really what it is. Um, and then they just celebrate their own Elioth festival. And they actually pick a designated Jarl. And she's um, one of the Norse 
heroes uh, or one of the Norse gods from the sagas that she chooses. Um, and it's, it's really cute. It's just really cute because I, I love that it's such a community event. Um, and that's, I think that's what makes FLEA the festival itself is that the biggest part about it is the party. <laughs> yes. That brings me to after we've set this thing ablaze and it's really going to go now what happens? Cause now everybody, the fire's going, the fire's going to go out. Now where do people go? Which is typically what people are doing in Lerwick, right? This is what the ladies do. They've sent out invitations too. Yeah. So essentially like they go out to these halls, um, the kale does. Um, or the Kales, I can't remember how to pronounce it. Um, look at us failing. Someone will write it and correct us. No problem. I'm fine with that. (laughs) (laughs) So essentially they go out and they party. They actually celebrate. Um, they get to meet Vikings. Um, and I can't, the only thing I can't remember based off when I was again doing my research for my upcoming trip is if they did it the day of or the day after where they, they're actually, taking a bus tour, but I know it's a 24 hour event um, for the Vikings and the other squads where they go to these different halls. So everyone can see them and participate and dancing and drinking and having food with them. Um, and we Scots like to party. I mean, my own family are, are <laughs> party goers. So, you know, I got to convince my cousins in Sterling and Glasgow to come with me. And if not, <laughs> I'm just going to have a grand old time by myself. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So from what I can tell that, um, that, you know, some of the women will host these events in these large halls and you invite the other squads to, to show their, like, yeah, whatever it is, a skit or a dance or whatever they're going to do. And that goes until the morning and then everybody takes a nap and then there's another like celebratory evening of smaller parties. So it's, yeah, it's a, it sounds like a whole weekend event or whenever it's held and it sounds like a lot of fun. I believe it goes for three months. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so long, but worth it. Now, <laughs> if I like, have that much money to party and, you know, kind of go back to my college days, I would love that. <laughs> oh my but goodness. Like yeah. it up for that. <laughs> and it's not like it's warm enough that you could be like a bum and sleep in a park or something. No, you would be, you'd be frozen. <laughs> you will, you will definitely be frozen. And the one thing that I will say, if anyone is interested in actually going to these halls, it is invitation only. So you right. have to go with someone to actually get in, and it is very, very difficult. So be friendly, Americans. Don't be introverts at this moment. You need to make friends with a man in Viking outfit. Yes you, you yes, you do. Yes, you do. And I promise they won't smell like a Viking. That's the one thing I will say. That. <laughs> so. Um, I know there's about, you said 12 of these things in existence. Are you aware of ticketing requirements? This is actually one of my favorite things about this festival. The festival is free, absolutely free morning and night. The only thing that, you know, anyone that really they have to worry about is museum costs, um, that are within Lurik and other places, uh, of course, lodging and then uh, dining accommodations. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think what people should be aware of in accommodations is this is not, I mean, we're not going to find name, like chain properties here. No. <laughs> yeah, you, you need to be prepared for it to be like, you know, a, a five to ten room property, maybe three rooms. You need to do things in advance because it's just, yeah, charming and old and traditional. So there you go. Which is, which is fun. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. I know there's like a lot of Airbnbs up there. 
Um, and one of the places that I'm looking into, and I will tell everyone this, is the Lurk Hotel, um, just because it's a 10-minute walk from the center of town. Um, they also offer free parking and on-site and an on-site restaurant. Mm. And I'm all about my food because I love culinary and everything. So if I can do a one-stop shop, that's where I'm going to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. And yes, I and then you can just, you know, you have a pint or three and then you roll upstairs to bed. Ta-da. That's all right. Or if you're like Zach, just, you know, have several drams of scotch. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, you're in the area for real. So, um, uh, so we did talk about where someone stays for Apelia. What about, um, you know, what, when you're telling your clients to pack, I think that I laugh when my friends and family and whoever wants to go to the UK and they're like, I packed my umbrella. And I'm like, <laughs> throw that in the trash because that's what England is going to do or Scotland is going to do to your umbrella. It's going to turn it inside out and suck it out of your hands. So. <laughs> You know, this is Scotland in winter time, and so I would compare it to thinking about going to Maine, uh, because as far as temperature goes, like this is this is pretty cold, and they could get snow. So, what would you pack, and what about costumes? Oh, don't bring a costume. Whatever you do, don't bring a costume. You don't want to be uh, confused with someone in the squad. Um, <laughs> that's what I would say to that one. I mean, if you want to do it, go for it. Who am I to tell you no? Um, but most definitely um, bring warm clothes uh, when you decide to go to Shetland. Um, and I actually have like a list because I went to Sweden in the cold and it's mm-hmm. essentially the same, like it's freezing. Um, so what I pack is snow boots, always bring them, uh, bring your own yak tracks, uh, for the ice because there are icy roads and you don't I want to actually fall. would not have thought about that, but yeah, totally makes sense. Um, I actually bought them when I was li- uh, living in Tahoe and working with the Ritz Carlton up there and they're like, buy your yak tracks. And I was like, I'm going to walk like a penguin. Never mind. I slipped and fell. <laughs> <laughs> I slipped and fell and this, this yeah, last winter was with my son. I, so I get it. <laughs> It's scary. I mean, snow is not always as powdery as people think it is. <laughs> I just want to point that out there. Yeah. It can't be. Uh, bring, bring your yak tracks because you don't want to slip on ice. And I put them on top of my, um, on top of my snow boots, um, which is nice. Um, bring fleece mid layers. It, it is freezing. Uh, warm waterproof and windproof coat that I am, I swear by it. I wear it in Scotland every time. It just, it, ugh. And bring chapstick. Always bring chapstick. You can't go wrong with chapstick. <laughs> and this is not like, this is not the place that you need to look cool. No one's looking at you anyway. They're looking at the Vikings. So, like, layer up and hot hands, right? Oh, and- that's a that's a good one too. And I mean, just like how everyone's wearing our masks, bring a fun scarf so that way, if you know they're going to look at your eyes, they can look at your scarf too. Yeah, there you go. All right. <laughs> So do you know of any Apelia tours? Yes. So the one that I'm currently looking at for myself uh, is actually Highland Explorer Tours. Um, it's a six-day tour. And while you're on there, you get to go to St. Andrews, which is one of my favorite places in Scotland to visit. Um, granted, Glasgow is my number one, <laughs> just because of family. And then you get to do Aberdeen, which is really, really cool. Um and there's a lot of history between St. Andrews and Aberdeen, so people can always do their own research on that, of course, but I can always guide them as to where to go from there if they don't want to do the tour. Um, the reason why 
people go to Aberdeen uh, is because they have to take a ferry to Lerwick or you can fly. I recommend just doing the ferry. It's a 12 hour ferry ride um, and they do have cabins that you can sleep in, um, oh, which is nice, which is nice because it is an overnight trip. Um, and then they also, of course, being a ferry, they take your vehicles as well. Um, which and the ferry line is that? Do you know? Oh my goodness. Uh, I don't know off the top of my hand. I thought I wrote it down. I do not. Oh, well, I, so just to, to give people an idea, because I've taken several ferries and several ferry lines uh, from the UK to other places and they're like mini cruise ships. So these are not like, you know, if you picture going to Martha's Vineyard, these are, you know, way bigger than that. And the accommodations are nice. And I have rented the cabins and they are sufficient and they are clean. So, and, it's, and even if you, even if you don't rent one for the, you know, even if it's like a day passage, if you do another trip and it's only three or four hours where we're going, I still rent a cabin because my, I like my kids to settle and lay down, but there's movie theaters in there and all kinds of stuff. So yeah, the ferries are nice. So, so this one, and I just looked it up really quickly is Northlink ferries. That's who operates it. Hmm. I know I did Stella Line, and I think the other one was Dublin Ferries. I don't know if I did that one, but they're all probably pretty comparable. It's, there's competition, so that's cool. That's good. That's exciting. I like the ferry trip. So, I mean, it's really, really cool. Um, I would I would advise against um, doing it by yourself for the first time, not the ferry, but the um, airport um, mm-hmm. option, just because the airport is about from my understanding is about like a 90 minute drive or so and you have to get a bus. And then, I mean, it's just a lot of trying to figure out the statistics or not the statistics, sorry. Logistics. Um, yeah. Thank you. Yes. The logistics of everything. And it's just like, you know what, book a tour, make your life easier, <laughs> have them do it for you. Um, just like as a travel advisor, let us do it for you. Cause that's what we're here for. Um, the price that I'm looking at for, the tour I'm on that I'm looking at getting the Highland Explorer tours is $1,405 per person. Um, I and think that's, that's a great price. It is phenomenal. Oh. Phenomenal. I was like, Oh, done. Like yeah. I brought that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they actually help you with your accommodations. So you don't have to worry about that. Your tour guide is easily accessible, which I love. And on top of that, what's really cool about the tour is that you get to explore the other Shetland islands during oh, it. Yes. And so you even get to one of my favorite places um, that my dad reminded me of when he and I talked about our experience is how um, we got to see Jarlshof, uh, which is actually one of the prehistoric sites there in Shetland. Ah, I was talking about that actually with um, with the park ranger in, um, oh, maybe it was at the Giant's Causeway. Um and they were like, if you have a chance, I'm like I will not have a chance, but I wish I did. So that's exciting. I hope to see pictures of that. Take pictures, please. I will be taking pictures. And I think um, I might have to do, I'm doing a special trip with uh, my aunt and my grandma to the Orkney Islands to do Scott Bray, which is another prehistoric mm. uh, site. And so I was like, I have to do this. <laughs> oh, yeah. And man we've talked about this before i hope you document so much of that trip with your family that's going to be incredible that and I, as i said before and now we can say it on air and accountability like <laughs> that's your podcast that's your like that's a great thing to document and i think it'd be interesting i'd listen to it so anyway. i will definitely be doing that and iona's on on the list too so i have a lot of things that i have to do oh enviable trips okay cool so then um you know, is there anything that that we should, you know, while people are in the area of Shetland, 
Um, what, what should they be doing up there? There's, you know, there's several museums. Um, and one of the things that they can do, they actually have, um, let me see here. Cause I have it all written down. You think I can find it? Uh, let's see. I here. asked you out of order. That's why. I'm yeah. Just- <laughs> <laughs> I think we're having fun talking. So it's just like one of those where are like, okay, boom, 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 done. Okay, here we go. <laughs> um, so one of the things that, that wasn't there when I first went. Now, remember, I think this is about 2000, 2001. Um, you have some museums that, like I said, weren't, weren't there. Um, but you can do the Shetland Museum and, and archives and Lurwick, hmm. which is really interesting. You do have to pay to get in and you have to book it ahead of time. Um, so when you're booking your tour or anything like that, start booking your stuff there because I don't know if... Um, the tours that I'm looking at will do that. I'm just, I'm such a self planner and everything like that, that I just tend to book it myself. Um, there's also the Iron Age Brook and Village at Old Skatness, um, which is really, really cool. Um, so you get to see an old village and Iron Age. I mean, it's just, it's really cool. I definitely recommend anyone to like do some research online. It's Scotland has a lot to offer, especially Shetland. And then there's also the Scalloway Museum, um, that actually has artifacts of, um, I believe Viking heritage and, uh, Viking, um, uh, artifacts. And then right adjacent from the Scalloway Museum is a Scalloway Castle. So you get a two for one with that one. Nice. And someone that we both, um, listen to and consume his, I don't know, wanderings is, uh, David Weinsock. And so I'll put some links to some of his stuff that happens up there because he does castle exploration and he and I have talked about some things in that area. So if I can uh, find him, I'll, I'll post his, his stuff there so people can check that out if they want to. He's really good. I really enjoy listening to him myself. Yeah, interesting <laughs> guy for real. Um, so now, you know, do you have any resources that we can put in the show notes for Apelia? Absolutely. So uh, definitely go to apelia.org. Uh, um, that actually you can see past up to 2009's Apelia Festival and you can read about um, the Jarls, how they picked the North Saga, um, characters that they have. And then you get to see all the different squads that participate in it from that year. Um, and you get to see the billhead and everything. It's really interesting. Another thing that if you really want to get more in depth about with Apelia or just want to learn, um, there is YouTube videos out there done by the Shetland Tourism Board um, about what is Apelia. And then there's also the 2019 Apelia that is up on YouTube because, uh, believe it or not, Shetland does webcams for people who want to watch. All around oh, the world. nice. Okay, so I'll do a blog entry and I'll link everything in there so that people could, don't have to search too hard. I'll search it ahead of time and I'll put my blog in the show notes and then people can just click on that and, and get every, get linked to everything appropriately. So we'll do that. Okay, cool. So then, um, you know, before I close out the, the podcast, is there anything that I'm missing about Shetland or Scotland or Epelia that you want to mention that we might have missed? I think with Shetland, I think what people um, need to understand is not it's not mainland Scotland. It's not mainland UK. Um, it is smaller. Um, these are communities who really work with each other um, and you get a sense of family. And I absolutely love visiting there. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm excited to go back um, in the cold. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and just exploring again, I think 
that that's the most important part is just is that. Um, and the other thing is too, is that there's a strong, not only Viking heritage, but a Danish, uh, heritage there because it actually used to be owned by Denmark for a long, long time. But that's a different <laughs> story at that time. When people go and explore the museums, they can definitely look that up, um, and learn about it while they're there personally. Um, I just, because I studied history, I always find that fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I was just, what's well, comical. Cause I was just talking to, um, a guy named Ashwani. We were talking about Indian food tourism and why uh, India should be on every, every foodies destination list. And we were talking about British colonization and it's just, you know, the, it's interesting how land turns over between peoples and to be able to trace those things back in the culture. So that's, I did not realize that the Danes, had been there. So that's interesting. That's good to look mm-hmm. up. Just like a quick fact on that is actually, I believe it was King James III who married Queen Margaret of Denmark, and that's how they acquired the land and Orkney as well. Okay. Interesting. Um, so then um, one more time, how can people find you online? So people can find me online uh, and I'll go backwards this time. They can go to my website at www.royalbtravel.com. Uh, and they can find me at Instagram at royal underscore b underscore travel, or they can find me at Facebook slash royal b trav. Nice. Okay. And when this comes out, I'll tag you everywhere. People will be able to find you. And uh, I think we're on LinkedIn now, so I'll tag you on there too. I don't know why people don't love LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. Maybe. I don't know. It's all business. People can find me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. I just don't have my mustache. <laughs> Well, you're not going to have it after you catch it on fire at this festival either. Yeah. But. <laughs> uh, no, and it's funny because you saw me briefly. I'm trying to grow out my beard. And, like, if people want to kind of imagine this a little bit, my the left side of my mustache is growing a little bit longer than my right. So it's a little bit lopsided. So I have to crack that, too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Think scissors, not flame. There we go. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, then, if other travel planners or even travelers are interested in contacting you, um, is there an email address, and are you available and open to that? I am always open. People can always contact me. Uh, my email address is literally the first letter of my name, Zach, so it's just Z, and my last name, Burns, B-U-R-N-S, at royalbtravel.com. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the podcast today. I really appreciate your time. And, you know, it's taken a little while for us to get together and get this done, but I think it was worth it. I appreciate you being on here. Well, I appreciate being on here. It was a lot of fun, really and truly. Yes, good. Well, we will find another way to collaborate in the future, especially after you get up in the Orkney Islands. That's really uh, interesting and and um, I think hard to come by content. Not a lot of people get to visit there is such a privilege and since you're going to i believe relocate you'll get to spend a lot of time in scotland so you have some good stories for us yes so i'm relocating july so i fly out july 28th and then i will be arriving july 29th of 2021 um and the first event that i will be covering is the uh, bagpipe world championships in glasgow which uh my grandma and i and my aunt will be participating uh in watching oh my now, a little known fact of my background, and he'll probably not listen to this, but I dated a finalist. Uh, oh. Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that Back- was some time ago. See, bagpipes are, are big in my family. We actually use them. Uh, the last time I heard them played was actually at my uncle's funeral. So, 
Mm-hmm. Well, time to go to a more cheerful event with Ben. I would agree with that. I want to see them battle it out. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast. And everyone, thank you for listening. And uh, feel free to be in touch with me also. And that is info at travelradiopodcast.com. Or wherever you're listening to, there is a link in up there somewhere that links to uh, my link tree. And there is a Calendly link in there where you can schedule 15 minutes to have a conversation about any ideas you may have. All right. Zach, anything else? No, that was it. Thanks for having me on. It was definitely a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm glad you came. All right, let's say bye. Zach, you first. (laughs) All right, everyone. You guys have a great day, and thanks for having me on, Megan. Yeah, you're welcome. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Bye-bye. This is a Trav Market Media Podcast. Discover more travel industry-oriented podcasts at travmarketmedia.com and be sure to subscribe.